Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Maggard. I'm joined by <clears throat> Nick Roush in sunny Orlando, Florida. Uh, Andy Murray and Jay George are efforting. Both of them are kind of uh, away from places they get good signals. Nick, what's the vibe in Orlando surrounding the Cats uh, before before the Citrus Bowl? Well, uh, you know, this is the first day that it hasn't been beautiful, sunny weather. Uh, today yeah. is a uh, walkthrough day. It is the Thursday morning when we're recording. So we're two days out. Uh, Kat's got a walkthrough today. But, man, it's been um, – you mentioned it in the KSR football podcast how your trip was actually kind of defined by the prep. Yeah. And I've been getting a lot of similar vibes from the team. Um, their goal – was to be game ready before they ever left. And, and and what I mean left, before they ever left Kentucky, they were like, we need to be ready to play by the time we get to Florida. And they feel comfortable in their game plan. They, they, they feel like they left on, you know, at the right time. And now they are, uh, they're, they're enjoying it. And, and not in like a, uh, Oh man, like let's just go ride some roller coasters. Yes, they are riding roller coasters, but I think for a lot of them, it's a it's a really good bonding experience because when you're at home, you're at home. Uh, but when you're on the road and you're sharing, staying in the same hotel as everybody else, like it's a it's a good time getting to spend time with one another, and uh, I, I think they're really soaking that in right now. Yeah, you know, we talked on the on the. KSR football podcast, but for those that didn't listen to that one, the thing that Kentucky did uh, when uh, when the Cats beat Penn State a couple of years ago was had the best practice of the year. It was lively. It was excited. Uh, it was heated. And, and I think uh, with ball practice, Nick, I think the team that has the most normalcy at times wins, along with who wants to be there. There's a lot of normalcy right now going on for Kentucky. And I'll give you an example. Okay. At programs across the country, players that have entered the, the transfer portal are no longer with the team. Right. I watched a little, little bit of Oregon last night. Whoa. And I recognized two players on their on their one on their defense and then the quarterback. And that was and the running back, three. That was about it. I mean, they had so many opt-outs and, and players in the portal. Uh, it was just a shell of the team, but that carries on to practice, okay, leading, leading up to practice. There's normalcy because the players, the majority of players that are in the transfer portal for Kentucky are at the bowl site practicing mm -hmm. with the team. So it's not like Kentucky's down there without a bunch of guys that they're used to being around, right? I mean, their right. they're, they're dudes are down there. They're friends and their teammates before they go on to their next spot in the portal. So that's an example of normalcy. And point two, Kentucky staying in the same hotel uh, as it did last time at, at, at the Citrus Bowl. There's some normalcy there. There's some familiarity there. And what you try to do, you try to eliminate the factors that are unknown when you travel as a team to a bowl site. So the known, the, one of the knowns is that 
the transfer portal guys were there. They're going to play, or they're at least practicing. And two, Kentucky's at a familiar hotel. Uh, the operation, the, the dining facility, everything is the same. So there is some carryover from the last game uh, at the Citrus Bowl. So yeah. anytime you can gain advantages in the little things, the things that 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 you'll never know unless we're talking about them now, folks will never know about, really helps in preparation as you go into a bowl game against a 10-win Iowa team. Uh, <clears throat> Nick, I know uh, there was some bulletin board material. Riley, yep. uh, Riley yeah. Riley Moss. Uh, Riley Moss. Who has now, four is- interceptions and doesn't even lead their team in interceptions. Yeah, <laughs> let's crazy. get into this a little bit. This was not just some random dude that said that. Yeah. That, you know, th- this was an all-Big Ten cornerback for Iowa with four interceptions uh, that made – what was the remarks? Uh, Kentucky hadn't made a bowl quite some time or something of that nature. Well, he was like, you know, they're they're going to come ready to play. I mean, they haven't played – in a bowl game and how long so you know they're going to yeah. come out and hit us in the mouth and we're going to hit them back and it's going to be fun yeah that, that was just a lack of awareness uh by moss i don't i i've watched the comments i don't think there was any malice intended i just yeah. think it was just it was just a lack of of awareness but that's well, something that that mark stoops can use you know see, with these two teams there's not a lot of built-in hatred you know there's a lot of respect and love which there should be but now I think that, you know, you, I, you instantly saw Vince Merrill tweet it to the players like, you know, okay, uh, anything that Kentucky can use to his advantage. Last time out, it was James Franklin, right? It was James Franklin who right, right, created right. that. Yeah, now Riley Moss gives Kentucky a little bulletin board material, something that the Cats needed, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and uh, I think the thing, too, like you're right, Freddie – this is the first time that these two teams have ever played before. There's not yeah. commonality. The I, I don't think Riley Moss is watching SEC football when he's not no. watching, you know, his team. No. Uh, so that uh, that part is like I. It was a throw. Like I, I even found the full video. In most of the video, they're just asking him about the Senior Bowl and asking him about yeah. Uh, a lot of other things like and eventually he gets to his all right you've got to talk about the bowl game now and yeah him sharing why he was excited but you know what though it doesn't matter because that's all uh that's all this team wants needs they love getting a good amount of track like they're very good at playing with a chip on their shoulder and even though that this doesn't like if, if you needed this to get motivated for the game, then you have other problems, but it does add yeah. to it. And it's something else that they can put in their pocket. And, and I like when they have something like this to, I, I think sometimes it gets a little ridiculous. So whenever some Kentucky fans will just start tagging people like, do you see what he said? Do you see what he said? Yeah. But this yeah. was, it was hilarious to see Vince do that. And to his own guys, yeah. to which Wondell responded, he's like, well, he's kind of right about me, but I know he ain't talking <laughs> about y'all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, uh, Riley Moss is a player that I respect. He's a very good football player uh, going to the Senior Bowl, going to play in the NFL. And, and we, we, as far as most of the people listening to this podcast, you and I, our lives revolve around the SEC, and it's hard to imagine anybody else's life that does not evolve around the SEC. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I don't think there was malice. I don't think it was an intended shot. However, 
Last time out, Kentucky really did not like Penn State at all. James Franklin added to that, and it was two teams. Well, I don't know. I can't speak for Penn State, but Kentucky did not like Penn State. Right. And you know me, Nick. I'm not the type of guy that talks about what state, what happens in the locker room for me stays in the locker room. Uh-huh. But I can tell you this and just give you a general sense of, of what uh, – of that. Mark Stoops' pregame speech – or pre not pregame hotel leaving speech didn't last very long, and it was it was heated, and <laughs> that team that team got on the bus with bad intentions. Let's just put it that way. And this team, we'll see if that works. But uh, you know, let's just let's let's take a minute. I know bowl games or who wants to be there, and you know, uh, so many factors, opt outs, transfers. You know, let's talk about the teams for a minute. Uh, and we're going to keep this one kind of short because I know you're busy down there and I don't want to take away uh, from your time in Orlando. But Iowa is a team with three losses. In those losses, they average five points in those three losses. Ooh. So, Ooh. Uh, yeah, losses to Michigan, 42 to three over, uh, to Michigan, 27 to seven against Wisconsin. 24 to seven against your Purdue Boilermakers. So in law in the three losses that, that Iowa has this year, it averaged 5.6 points per game and, and it allowed 31. So, and if you look at this Iowa schedule, I don't know if there's a quality win on there. Uh, a lot like Kentucky. I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. some name wins, but uh, I guess you would have to say beating Iowa State 27 to 17 was somewhat of a quality win, and then beating a seven and five Penn State team, uh, that could be considered a quality win, I guess. But perception of this Iowa team is, is does not match the reality, especially if we're talking about offense. Uh, especially, you think offense. about Iowa. <laughs> you think about Iowa. You think, oh man, they they're going to run the ball all over the place. When in fact, they're they're only averaging 120 yards on the ground per game, Nick, and that, that's not a lot. Uh, passing about 177 or, or a little bit more than that in the air, in the air less than 300 total yards. Uh, but Iowa does have some uh, all Big Ten players, and mm-hmm. two of those are on the offensive line. Kyler Schott is a guard who's very good, and then arguably the best center in, you know, over a decade in Tyler Lindebaum. That, that's Iowa's best offensive players. Tyler Goodson, the running back that run that, that rushed for over a thousand yards, is out. He opted out. With Goodson, Nick, Iowa only averaged three yards a carry. So it's you want to think about Iowa as being this great running team where in fact they're not very good at it. Freddie, I gotta tell you that in all the press conferences I've, I've sat through, I've never wanted to just cackle. I I could not believe what I was hearing when Brian Ferentz was asked, what's your offensive identity? And he proceeded to go on this diatribe. I mean – I read your – I read it, yeah. It, is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your life? Yeah, I, I read I read your post. It was very well written, uh, Nick. He just kept uh, yeah, going just, on. Well, our offensive identity, we're a three-phase football team. yeah. We need the other two yeah. phases to help us because we're challenged in this one. I mean, he basically yeah. said, we need defense and special teams to bail us out. 
and we just need to flip the field for them. That's that's our job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and we're going to get into that because uh, I will say this: Iowa does have a very good tight end, uh, uh, one of the best Kentucky's faced this year, uh, Sam Laporta. He is not uh, the dynamic Brock Bowers at Georgia, but he yeah. is a very good tight end. Forty-six catches, nearly six hundred yards. A couple touchdowns, averaging twelve yards a catch. Kentucky is has is going to have to find an answer for him uh, because he is going to be affected, effective. And, and Iowa, even though doesn't run the ball that well, it lives off the play action pass. That it, it's run the football uh, play action pass to Laporta, the tight end. Uh, another tight end, Luke Latchy is is, is a freshman. Uh, he, he's another tight end. So that's what Iowa will want to do. Well, and, when, and to your point, oh, real quick, Freddie, uh, yeah. th- that puts stress on the linebackers. It's going to be a big game yeah. for DeAndre Square, big game for Jacquez Jones, who's been a little banged up, dealing with some yeah. injury stuff. Hopefully he's good to go. Um, because that if, if you if you can take that part of their offense away, then you really – you don't leave them with much except a fullback. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think <clears throat> the linebackers, like you said, Plus Yusuf Corker, uh, plus uh, 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 the, the safeties and nickel Devonte Robinson, I think, uh, has a lot to do with that. Uh, Tisdale, Vito Tisdale, will have a lot to do with that. So I think Kentucky's strength in the in the past defense is in the middle of the football field, and it's going to have to be because that that's really the only the only weapon that Iowa has that scares me or would scare a, a defense is the tight end Laporta because he is a very good football player. When the coordinator talked about having a three-phase football team and talked about balance and talked about field position and complimenting the, the special teams and the defense, here's what he means. Iowa has won 10 games by forcing 30 turnovers and scoring a lot of points off turnovers and special teams. The strength of this Iowa team is a defense that leads the country with 24 interceptions and has forced uh, six has recovered recovered six fumbles. So turnovers really is is what has gotten Iowa to this point uh, and scores on special teams. So I understand what the coordinator was saying, but it's kind of like you said, it's kind of it's kind of funny a little bit that he mm-hmm. would say that. Right, but but that that the Iowa defense is the best offense that the Hawkeyes have, and it, it, and that's what it's relied on. It reminded me of times like, not to the same extreme, but it's not so different than when some of the Eddie Grant offenses that were just we're yes. going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and our defense is going to do a lot of work like that. It, it's it's of that vein, except even more extreme. Uh, and how much they rely yeah. on their defense to make plays for them. It reminds me, Nick, of, of Kentucky last year. Uh, you yeah. know, with all those turnovers and, and and scores off points, points off turnovers. I mean, hell, six. Kentucky won two games last year just off of pick sixes, Tennessee and Mississippi yeah, State. Exactly. And, and that's why I rem- this Iowa team reminds me a lot of Kentucky from last year. Uh, really good on special teams. Kalen Truback is – is an all-Big Ten kicker. He's very accurate. The Big Ten is a field goal league, and, and he, is, he is very good at his job. 
special teams also. Charlie Jones is, a, is an all-Big Ten returner. He's going to have to, you know, bowl games are just like the rest of the games, turn over special teams, big plays from Iowa. That, that, that goes back to making up for that Iowa offense that only averages less than 300 yards a game, big plays on special teams, big plays on defense. If Kentucky can hang on to the football and not give up a special team score, I really like the I really like the Cats' chances. Let's talk about this Iowa defense. Uh, got some all Big Ten players, defensive end uh, Van Valkenberg Ve- is a defensive end that that's that's forceful. Fifty tackles, twelve and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, eight quarterback hurries. Uh, I think he is going to be uh, a player that Kentucky's going to have to have an answer for. And, and then the defensive backs, Riley Moss, with a video. Four interceptions. Uh, I was cash position, which is the nickel position, the hybrid linebacker safety position. Dane Belton has five interceptions. The other corner, Jamar Harris, three interceptions, and sound linebackers that make plays. I was not, you know, if you look at, and we talked about this in the earlier podcast, you look at Kentucky's last game compared to its next game. Iowa is what Louisville defense isn't. It's sound. They're not going to be out of position. They're going to make tackles when they're around the football. They're not going to blow coverages. They're not going to bust in the back end. And they're not going to be misaligned pre-snap. So this Iowa defense is very well coached. It's disciplined, veteran. And Kentucky, to score points, is going to have to beat that. Right? I was not going to – uh, miss a line and not have anybody responsible for Will Levis on the quarterback draw a couple of times like Louisville did by misalignment and busted coverage on the back end with no safety support. That's not going to happen. Kentucky's going to have to go out and beat Iowa when the Cats have the football. Now, defensively, Iowa only gives up 19 points a game, which is good. It's very good. It's, it, it's a good defense. 113 yards on the ground, but does give up 213 in the pass. If you look at Kentucky, the offense that we saw in November. Now, granted, we have to we have to make the point. You got to adjust Kentucky for the played, defenses. <laughs> yeah, Kentucky played very bad defenses in November. Let's just be honest about yeah. it. So, but Nick, if, but still, average five hundred yards a game and forty plus points. That has to that has to speak for something, right? That has to speak for this Kentucky offense. Will Levis said this week in preparation that he does not feel that. This team has played a complete game. Will we see that on Saturday against Iowa? There's a good chance we will. Yeah, I uh, I think it's it's one of those things that I'm I'm excited because I think that this Kentucky offense is for real, and it will take a performance like a, a team against a defense like Iowa to legitimize it. But like I think I certainly think they can. No disrespect to my my cousin's team at Purdue, but you know I think Will Levis is a better quarterback than Aiden O'Connell. I'd take Wandell, put him right up there against David Bell. Like, and they certainly have better running backs and a better offensive line than Purdue. And Purdue made him look silly. They left points on the board and won twenty four to seven. You could, yeah. I, I think Kentucky can score thirty one points in this game. I really do. I do too. I do too, Nick. But have you ever seen, and you've been doing this a while now, have you ever seen 
a difference in turnover margin uh, for Iowa, plus 14 for Iowa and a minus 13 for Kentucky. Have you ever seen a 27 differential in That's, turnover margin? It just I mean, doesn't. I have not. It, I really <laughs> – it's ridiculous. Yeah. It, I, I will. You do have to give Kentucky credit. Like, I, I don't want to be jinxing it, but like they've they they did in that month of November really shore up the turnovers. I think yeah. you had in the Tennessee game was the one exception. You had the pick six, and did Chris fumble it at, inside the five in that game too, or is that a different one? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. And ever since then, I don't. I can't recall a turnover. I might be off uh but I, I feel like ball security issues have they, they they've kind of started to move on from it i i even asked chris too like you know is is the fumble stuff like do you have to focus on it to not do it or do you just not think about it he's like i'm not no. like the more i think about it the more i'll do it so like you just got to move on yeah what since you're down there in orlando nick what are some things that are, you've been around the team? Uh-huh. What, 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 are, what are some factors? What are some things that you've observed that, that jumped out at you? Well, uh, the funniest thing I observed today was that uh, Will Levis has taken a picture with Lou Holtz and an alligator in the same day. So, <laughs> so, so he, he, he's been with two dinosaurs. Um, but you know, some of the stuff that I'm, I'm fascinated with are just like who hangs out with who, because, you know, I mean, I know that sounds like kind of dumb, but the position groups do kind of gravitate toward one another. Yeah. Um, just cause you, you spend the most time with them. Uh, Levis, I think what's most striking to me about Will Levis is this dude really is a competitive freak. I mean, he, he is a competitive freak uh and like he was the only guy that brought a golf club to top golf because he wanted <laughs> you know like because he, he wanted to bring his a game uh, yeah but I, I would say i would say that uh, uh that he was forced to do that because you don't want your quarterback to get blisters the the week of the oh, game oh that's a good idea i didn't think of that even if it yeah. is his non-throwing arm, you still don't want to yeah. get blisters. I, I would say that Lee and Cohen had something to do with that decision. That's yeah, actually so. – I hadn't thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I also think that it's really cool how the former players are, you know, welcomed in with open arms yes. here. You know, yeah. Juice and Jeff uh, Bidette were at practice on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I mean – it was a crowd. There was a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, like, a lot of those guys were before my time, but, like, I noticed Johnny Williams was there, you know, some some Brooks uh, players, big, big turn. Yeah. Uh, but I know there's a lot of guys, you know, kind of like your age and, yeah. and you know, in the, the early 90s kind of era, a lot of those guys are, are making their way down here for the bowl game too. Yeah, a bunch of dudes from my era are, going to, are showing up today and tomorrow. So, uh, you know, again, we, you know, Adam brought up such a great point about program alignment. And, and it's not always been that way, Nick. I can tell you as a former player, it's, it's really not. And, uh, you know, we talked about it in the other podcast that, what, this year you had three legacy, legacy Wildcats sign. I mean, stuff like this matters that, yeah. that Susan Lacks is so wonderful at her job. And, and she, 
you know, information and communication is is the key or, or keys for a lot. You can just say that about anything. You're not just football, but right, right, right. Yeah, we're getting we're getting uh, messages about okay, you know, former players call this number. Here's where we're going to practice. Yeah, you know, this is, where is, this is New Year's Eve. This is where yeah. we're staying. New Year's Eve. The former players are having the party. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean that that. You know, to me, that 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 warms me up because it's what it's supposed to be. And and when Mark Stoops says it takes all of us, it really does. I mean, it, it really and truly does. And, you know, even though guys my age played on teams that did not go to bowls because there were only five or whatever, <laughs> you know, with winning records, still, I mean, this is, you know, we're living through, you know, I'm speaking as a former player now, we're living through this team that that's just not, you know, that team with that coach, with those coordinators playing in a ball game, you know, that's, that's our teammates, that, that's our coach, that's our coordinator down there. And, there. and people like me feel a part of it. And that, the fact that Kentucky has got to that point with just the former player aspect, Nick, is, is something that I thought that, that I'd never see. I know people, t- a lot of people say, well, I never thought I'd see the day that Kentucky would win or possibly could win 10 games in three or four years stretch. I didn't think it was possible in my lifetime that former players would be not only this involved, but asked and invited by the program, people at UK to be this involved. And that says a lot, man. I mean, <clears throat> that means a lot. Because guys like me, and you know, there's a lot of us, we're the one that, ones that donate to the school. We're the ones that mm-hmm. buy season tickets. Yeah. We're the ones that we're in our communities, no matter if I'm in Versailles, Andy's in Northern Kentucky, Jay's in Louisville. We're talking about Kentucky. You know, that's, that's free advertising. That's free, free marketing for the brand that is now UK football. And it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, speaking of communication – our communication to you, if you're coming down to Orlando, the pep rally, uh, the official pep rally is going to be at Point Orlando, which if you see the big Ferris wheel, it's about, actually, it's exactly one mile south of the I in Orlando. I made the walk last night. It was about a 20-minute walk from the bars and restaurants down there. Um, and there's a ton of bars and restaurants nearby. Uh, there's a, a main event, which is like a, hell, it used to be a Dave & Buster's, but it's one of those kind of video game places a lot of different bars and stuff to watch the college football playoff games that night. So 445 is when it's all going down. That's where the BBM will be gathering. I know earlier on in the day at noon, the UK Alumni Association is hosting a watch party for that game between Kentucky and High Point at noon at the main event right there in Point Orlando. So this that's going to be kind of headquarters. Uh for the game and then the following day the catwalk is at 10 45 and if you get there early over at the baseball field it's called tinker field it's right it's directly next to camping world stadium they've got like a free uh it's the word i'm looking for so it's a, they call it they're calling it a fan fest but like if you got kids they got inflatables face painting all that stuff um, you know, you can buy your food and drink there that will have beverages and food for sale. So you don't have to, I know it can be kind of a pain dealing with parking or doing a tailgate when you're not tailgating in your usual tailgate spot. So that can be your kind of 
okay, well, you know, we can still go to the catwalk and we can still, you know, have, have some cold drinks and some food before we go into the game. Yeah, that sounds like fun, Nick. And there's a lot of people heading that way. Uh, I think a lot were coming down today, Freddie. I, I, I think <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. But I saw a good amount watching the, the basketball game last night. So, um, yeah. Starting yeah, to, starting to man, pick up. And then there's another basketball game. Was that tonight or tomorrow? Tomorrow at noon, Friday at noon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be something that folks can gather. Uh, Nikki, I want to get you out of here. But I want to talk a little bit about this Kentucky offense uh-huh. and 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 what we've seen year one uh, with Lee and Cohen and with Will Levis and, and all the the players. Um, but you have to start with Darian Kennard, consensus All-American. He is he is in the conversation, Nick, in my book, as as far as being an all-timer at the program. Uh, he is certainly in the conversation with Warren Bryant, you know, Damani Dawson, you know, Sam Ball. You can go back as far as you want to, uh, but he is certainly in the conversation as far as being the best offensive lineman to play at Kentucky. And uh, there's not been very many consensus All-Americans, and he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, look, let's look at this offense a little bit, Nick. And, and Kentucky's averaging 33.3 points per game. That's up from 21 last year. So uh, up 12 there. Rushing, Which, rushing like, yards. In a, and I'm I sorry. think, too, that, like, folks, moving up 12 points, like, that That's does sound – it sounds like a lot, but if you look in the statistical categories, like where they have all 130 teams ranked, 12 points is like 50 spots. It's a yeah. huge, it is a significant, <laughs> yeah. significant yeah. leap. So uh, yeah. I, I just didn't want to gloss over that because that is no. a, a big yeah, that's jump. That's two touchdowns. That's two touchdowns. You know, <laughs> two touchdowns a game. That's crazy. two touchdowns. Yeah, even with Kentucky's emphasis last year, and really the only thing it did good was running the football. Kentucky averaged uh, 197 yards a game last year. That's up to 206 this year. And that's with a couple games that, that really did not. Kentucky couldn't establish much on the run. I mean, Rodriguez was going through the fumble issues and, and one issue that we didn't know about. Uh, so that's an increase. Passing uh, 103 yards more this year than last. Last year, I mean, it's hard to imagine to go back. Kentucky was averaging – 123 pass yards a game. That's hard to that's hard to get your hands around. You know, to wrap your hands around 123 yards. That's where Mark Stoops knew he had to have the change. Now that's up to 225 yards. Total yards, 318 last year, 431 this year. Again, a huge jump. But I think with this offense, Nick, the, the number that jumps out at me. Kentucky scored 17 touchdowns in the red zone last year. Some frustrating losses for the Cats last year came on the fact that the Cats could not score in the red zone, could not punch it in in the red zone. This year, Kentucky scored 37 touchdowns out of 50 trips to the red zone. 37 out of 50. I want to say they're fourth nationally in touchdown percentage. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I mean, that, that is the number that jumps out at me. Because they turned the biggest weakness into arguably their greatest strength. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it takes time. You know, Kentucky just didn't go through a coordinator change. Kentucky went through a personality change, (laughs) you know, where throwing the football was out of desperation 
instead of on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was not just a hope and a prayer when the ball went in the air to this year. Okay, what could happen? I mean, even though the big play touchdowns lessened as the season went on, but still, you know, there there was a lot of of, of explosives through the air. And that happens when you have a quarterback like Will Levis. You know, I was tough on Willis, Will Levis. We talked about that because yeah. there was he started out really hot against Louisiana Monroe. Then he it it caught up to him for a little bit, right? I mean, there was a game where he threw for less than 100 yards, right at 100 yards. You know, it was it was a struggle. But man, when he got it, he got it. And in, no, in November, he really got it, and and he just took off. And I think in his decision to come back was not a black and white decision. There were, there were some interests, especially in this year's quarterback class, not being right. very good. There was some there was some getting back and forth there with the NFL. So uh, for him to come back, I think is nothing but a bonus for Kentucky, right? I mean, that has to bode well. And I think it would factor in maybe potential incoming transfers, yep. players' decisions on whether to go pro or come yep. back, Wandale being one. I yep. think that's going to factor, don't you? No, definitely, definitely, especially, especially that Wandale decision that we didn't know was going to even be a decision yeah. going into the year. Um, yeah. Having Levis around and and also having Levis as a guy who I forget who made this comment. It might have been Max talking about the team. He's like, it helps when your best players are also good dudes. And Levis yeah. is a good dude. He's he's a real thoughtful guy. Yes, um, you know, the stuff that he's doing to help the state for tornado yep. relief. I mean, but that that sets the tone for everybody else. And I think yeah. it's important to have that guy because, you know, I mean, as soon as he stepped on campus, he was a leader of the team. Having yes, him he was having him around for another year to really grow in that role. I mean it's 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 important and people yes. will consider Kentucky Kentucky's gonna get hyped up a ton going into this game and it's gonna be deserved because of what will Levis. yeah yeah he, he's been a game changer I mean he really has and it just goes to show uh, and you can see this in the NFL I mean if you got a quarterback you got a chance in any game so uh you know he is he's been tremendous. He has been tremendous. Well, Nick, thank you for for jumping on here with me, man. I don't want to keep you. Uh, it's dreary and, and finally a little chilly here, man. I had to turn my air conditioner on. Uh, it's been too <laughs> warm up here for me. I don't like that. I want it cold. But thanks for jumping on, man. I hope you have a good time. You and Adam uh, are going to have a lot of great stuff on the website and cover the game. And y'all have fun at Camping World Stadium. Oh man, I'm excited. Uh just gotta get this fog out. Of course, the, the one afternoon that you know we're kind of getting off. It's foggy and cloudy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it should be yeah. a great time. I'm excited to see all the Kentucky fans down there. Uh yeah. You know, and I want to add this. I talked about the week of preparation. I talked about uh Mark Stoops' speech at the hotel and, and how that I mean it was they get they, the team got on the bus with bad intentions. You know what else helped that 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 win over Penn State? Nick was what the else? catwalk. The catwalk, man, dude, that, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. And yeah. trust me, you know, and, I, and I'm a fan. I, I can talk to, and I never tell fans how to fan. You know, that's my rule. 
Yep. But but man, that that's important. That means a lot. If you're in if you're in the city, try to get to the catwalk because those guys feed off that. They they really do. That sets the tone uh, because they get it at the hotel. Then they get in their own world with their music and everything on the bus ride. And then that, that the catwalk's electric, that, that sends them into the stadium yeah. with the right state, right frame of mind to, to beat Iowa on Saturday. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait to see y'all at Camping World Stadium to watch the cast take down the Hawkeyes. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you like us, subscribe to us, tell your friends about us, and we will talk to you next week, hopefully to discuss – a big win over Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. Go Cats, go Kroger.